Listen closely to Adrian Rogers as he explains how God still has plans for his chosen people. Today is a message that deals in many ways with Bible prophecy, and it deals with the land of Israel. The title of the message is God Through with the Jew. Almost 100% of the Bible prophecies are related to Israel, the land, and the people. So you need to listen up today because you're going to learn something that will be an encouragement to you. Welcome to Love Worth Finding, featuring the powerful biblical lessons and dynamic teaching of Pastor Adrian Rogers. Because Israel is God's chosen nation, it is the center of prophecy, of the approaching storm, of peace and glory. No matter how bleak it may seem for Israel in these gloriously dark days, God does not break His promises or alter His word. He has not forgotten His covenant with Israel. If you have your Bible, turn now to Romans chapter 11 as Adrian Rogers discusses the question, Is God through with the Jews? We're making our way through the book of Romans. We call that the Constitution of Christianity, a solid word for an unsure age, foundations for our faith. That's what it's all about, and we've come today to chapter 11. Now, this chapter is a wonderful chapter, but it is full, and I'm going to try to go through 36 verses. Some of them will touch very lightly, and some none at all. As a matter of fact, it's a convoluted passage of Scripture, but it has great, great blessings in it, and great significance for these days in which we live, because all of us have a feeling uh, that we are kind of looking into the muzzle of a loaded cannon, and the storm clouds of Armageddon are gathering more and more and more, and the central focus of all of that is Israel, the land, and the people. And that's what we're dealing with today. Today is a message that deals in many ways with Bible prophecy, and it deals with the land of Israel. The title of the message is God Through with the Jew. Now, you may say, what does that have to do with me? I'm not a Jew, I'm a Gentile. Well, it has everything to do with you. And friend, it has everything to do with Bible prophecy. Almost 100% of the Bible prophecies are related to Israel, the land, and the people. So you need to listen up today because you're going to learn something that will be an encouragement to you. Now, I say that Israel, the nation Israel, is the focal point in today's world. Israel is in the headlines of every newspaper, not only in America, but around the world. The eyes of the world are focused on the little nation of Israel. And well, they should be, for Israel is the land and the people of destiny. As the Jew goes, so goes the world. Israel is God's yardstick, God's outline, God's blueprint, God's program, and God's prophecy for all of the other nations of the world. Now, Paul has been talking about God's plan and how it includes the Gentile. And some of the Jews may have been asking, well, what about us? What about the promises that God has made to us? And so Paul asked a rhetorical question in chapter 11 and verse 1, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. Now he's saying, I'm not finished with the Jew. I have not cast away my people. I have not been unfaithful. I have not broken my promises. I have not altered my covenants. I have not forgotten my word. Paul says, God forbid that God could ever do that. And so Paul is going to show us in just a moment that God is not finished with the Jew. And I hope that you will understand that today. Israel, in many ways, the nation and the people are the center 
and the focus of the entire world. The land of Israel that I visited many times is the geographic center of the world. In Ezekiel 5, 5, God says to that land, I have put you in the midst of the nations. That is, you are in, as some give it, the navel of the nations. Israel is a land bridge between three continents, Asia, Africa, and uh, Europe. It's a great military and economic crossroads right there in the very hub of the nation. It is the geographic center of the world. It's the revelation center. The book that I hold in my hand that I'm preaching from was written in that land by those people, by and large. It's here where Moses and the prophets gave us the Word of God. It is the spiritual center because Jesus is of the tribe of Judah. Uh, Jesus is a Jew, and He was born in the land of Israel. He lived in the land of Israel. He taught in the land of Israel. He was crucified in the land of Israel. He was buried in the land of Israel. He rose in the land of Israel. He ascended from the land of Israel. He's coming back to the Mount of Olives right there by Jerusalem. So it is the spiritual center. It is the prophetic center. If you want to know what God is doing in the world, if you want to understand Bible prophecy, you will never understand it apart from understanding what God is doing in Israel. It is the storm center. As we've said, the clouds of Armageddon are gathering even as we're talking. But thank God it will be the peace center. That's the reason the Bible tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And there will never be peace in this world until there's peace in Jerusalem, and there won't be peace in Jerusalem without Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And it is the glory center. One of these days when the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as waters that cover the sea, the law shall go forth from Zion, and God is going to rule and to reign on this earth from Jerusalem. Frederick the Great, it is said, one time asked his court chaplain, can you give me proof of the inspiration of the Word of God. How can I know that the Bible is the inspired and fallible Word of God? And uh, Frederick the Great's court chaplain gave one answer. He said, the Jew, sire, that is, just look at God's dealing with Israel. This nation is a God-created, God-decreed, God-loved, God-called, God-elected, and God-protected people. And it is not without significance that Jerusalem, the capital of this land, is the most important city upon the face of the earth. Not Washington, not Moscow, not London, not Paris, not Tokyo, but Jerusalem, most important city upon the face of the earth. And in the book of Zechariah, chapter 12 and verse 3, the Bible says, In the last days Jerusalem will be a burdensome stone for all the nations of the world. And friend, that is true today in a very real way. And there's more pressure being put on Israel right now to sacrifice her sovereignty and to take Jerusalem and make it an international city rather than the capital of God's ancient people and God's ancient land. So, Paul comes to this question in the book of Romans. Has God cast away His people? God forbid. And then he gives five proofs that he has not. And that's what the message is going to consist of today, these five proofs. And the first proof is what I want to call the convicting power of God. The convicting power of God. Write that down and look, if you will, in verse 1 again. I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. Now notice the illustration he gives. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. Paul says, I am a Jew. I am exhibit number one. 
And why did Paul use himself as an example? Because there were other Jews around. Well, he was a believing Jew. He believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said that he was a pattern. God made him a pattern. He said of himself in another place, he was one born out of due time. That is, he was not in the due time. But he was out ahead of his time. I want you to think about how the Apostle Paul was saved. We weren't saved the way the Apostle Paul was saved. Paul was on the road to Damascus persecuting Christians. And suddenly he saw a light above the brightness of the noonday sun. He was knocked off his horse. He's blind. Jesus appears to him literally. And the heavens are rolled back. He sees Christ and the Lord speaks to him. And, and the Apostle Paul is converted. And then the Apostle Paul becomes, as he says, a missionary to the Gentiles. And notice in verse 13, For I speak unto you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the Apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify my office. God used him to evangelize the pagans of this world. Well, that's what God is going to do with Israel. There is coming a day, friend, when God will supernaturally appear to Israel. They will see him. The heavens are going to roll back. They're going to see Jesus as Paul saw Jesus, and a nation will be born in a day. Now, let me give you a scripture for that, in case you wonder about that. Zechariah chapter 12, verses 8 through 11. In that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Now, the day he's talking about is the day that he's already talked about when all the nations of the world are going to come against Jerusalem. This is the beginning of Armageddon. And the Antichrist and his forces will be bivouacked there in the valley of Megiddo. And they're getting ready for that last sortie against Jerusalem. And it's going to look dark for the people of God. And God says, in that day... In that day, as the news tightens around Jerusalem and the people of Jerusalem, God says, In that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David. Now, David was a mighty warrior. And God says, In that day, the puny Israelite is going to be like David, and the house of David shall be as God and the angel of the Lord before them. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And now watch this. And I will pour upon the house of David, now he's talking about Jews now, and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplications. Now watch this point. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Did you read that? That's not New Testament. How did Jesus die? He died on a cross. They pierced his hands and his feet. And God says, in that day they are going to see me whom they have pierced. Now, folks, not only the Jews, but we pierced him also. But that's not the point he's making right now. He's making the point that they're going to see him. Now, who is speaking? Jehovah is speaking. Who is he speaking to his people? Well, Jehovah is a spirit. God is a spirit. How can you pierce a spirit? Well, the only way I know is that spirit has to take flesh. Uh, he has to become incarnate. He has to die upon a cross. They shall look upon me whom they have pierced and shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. Oh, friend, just as the Apostle Paul saw the Lord Jesus, the resurrected, glorified Jesus, these Jews in that day are going to see him. And then Paul became a witness to the nations of the world. And these Jews are going to become a witness to the nations of the world. In Revelation chapter 7, John the Apostle had a foreglimpse into glory. 
And he saw a great number of Jews. He said 144,000 of all the tribes of Israel, they are sealed with the seal of God in their foreheads. And then he tells in Revelation chapter 7, beginning about verse 9, of the witness of these 144,000. And he said, And I saw a great multitude of all kindreds, tribes, peoples, nations, a multitude that no man can number. And these are the ones that have come out of the great tribulation, washed their robes white, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. These are people who had never heard the gospel, who will be witnessed to by these 144,000 Jews. Can you imagine what it would be like now, not one Apostle Paul, but 144,000 Apostle Pauls, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, who have been miraculously converted. So, what's he saying? He's saying, listen, God's not finished. I am an example. I am a pattern of what God is going to do with the Jew. So the very first thing that I want you to put down of these five proofs is this, the converting power of God. Now, if you don't think that Israel can come to Christ, you don't understand the power of God. The same power that convicted the Apostle Paul is the power that will bring them to Jesus. Now, here's the second reason. Not only the convicting power of God, but here's the second reason, the careful preservation of God. Now, God is carefully preserving His people. Look in verses 2 and following. Hath God cast away His people which He foreknew? Watch ye not what the Scripture saith to Elijah. Don't you know what the Scripture said to Elijah? How he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they've killed thy prophets, and dig down thine altars. And I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Now here's the therefore, even so. Then at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Now, what does that mean? A remnant means that which is left, that which is saved, that which is not destroyed. Old Elijah was there having a contest with 450 prophets of Baal. He said, Lord, I'm the only one. There's nobody left, and now they're trying to kill me. And God says, Son, look up here. Let me tell you something. You're not the only one left. And when you die, Israel will not die. Why, right over here. I've got 7,000. He had more than 7,000, but there were 7,000 right there who had not bowed the knee to Baal. God always has a remnant. God always has a faithful people. And Israel, there's always been a remnant of believing Jews, and there always will be because God is the one who preserves Israel. Go back to chapter 9 and verse 27. Isaiah also cried concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. Now, friend, listen to me. The Jews were not the chosen people because of their faithfulness, and they're not going to be rejected because of their unfaithfulness. Now, God here is talking nationally. He's not talking personally. He's talking nationally. He's saying there will always be a nation Israel. The Jewish nation, the Jewish faith are indestructible. I want to give you a great passage to put in your margin. This is one of the greatest passages in the Bible, in my estimation, it's found in Psalm 89, and it's talking about God's irrevocable covenant and promise to David. Now, this is what he says to King David, beginning in verse 27. Also, I will make him, he's talking now about David, also, I will make him my firstborn higher than the kings of the earth. And this is a prophecy for David's greater son, the Lord Jesus, when every knee shall bow. My mercy will I keep with him forevermore, just underscore evermore. My covenant shall stand fast with him, his seed, that is his descendants, 
also will I make to endure forever. Underscore that, endure forever. And his throne as the days of heaven. Now he talks about David's descendants, his seed, and he says this, If his children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments, and by the way, they did forsake God's law, and if they break my statutes, and they have broken his statutes, and keep not my commandments, and they have not kept them, God says, Then will I visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. God said, I'll take them to the woodshed, and boy, he has done that. But notice the nevertheless in verse 33. And friend, just underscore that in your Bible. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. Once have I sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David. His seed shall endure forever, and his throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever as the moon, and as a faithful witness in heaven. And then he says, Selah. What does that mean? It means just think about that. Selah means just ponder that. God is saying, look, I have made a promise to David if his descendants, if they break my laws, if they won't keep my statutes, then uh, they're going to be punished. But I am going to keep my word. God has always had a remnant. And this nation is God elected, God decreed, and God preserved. God prophesied that they would be disobedient, they would be dispersed, they would be discredited, but they would not be destroyed. And the king of Egypt could not diminish them. The Red Sea could not drown them. Jonah's whale could not digest them. The fiery furnace could not devour them. The gallows of Haman could not hang them. And the nations of the world cannot assimilate them. And the dictators of this world cannot annihilate God's ancient people, the Jew. They have known all kinds of persecution. But you see, what God is talking about here is His preserving power. He has a remnant according to grace. Now, you think about the Jews today. Did you know that they're less than four-tenths of one percent of the world's population? Let that sink in. Four-tenths of one percent. Not even one-half of one percent. The Jews. And yet the Jewish people have captured almost 12 percent, almost 12 percent of all of the honors in science and health and medicine and music and public life. Of the Nobel Prize winners for the last 25 years, of them one-third to one-fourth have been Jews. Now, four-tenths of one percent, and yet one-third to one-fourth of the Nobel Prizes have gone to Jews. You don't realize how God has touched your life through the Jewish nation. If you've ever taken an aspirin, Bear, who developed aspirin, was a Jew. If you have been vaccinated against polio, Sabin and Salk were Jews. If you've gone to the dentist and he deadened your gums, why, Waxman, uh, Stricker rather, who developed Novocaine was a Jew. If you've ever had an infection and used streptomycin, a Waxman was a Jew. If you've ever had psychoanalysis, <laughs> Freud was a Jew. If you've given to the Salvation Army or have been ministered to by the Salvation Army, the mother of William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, was a Jew. If in college you study philosophy, Spinoza and other philosophers, many of them have been Jews. As a matter of fact, all history really 
revolves around six Jews, Moses, Paul, Marx, Freud, Albert Einstein, and then in a category all by himself, Jesus. They're all Jews. They're all Jews, whether for good or bad. I'm not saying that Marx was good. I'm just simply saying that they were Jews, that God has preserved these people. And then out of this nation, God has a remnant of believers. As he told Elijah, I've got 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. And so what you see is the convicting power of God. What you see is the continuing preservation of God. And then I want you to see what I'm going to call the controlling plan of God. Because, see, God has a plan. Now watch this. Begin in verse 11 and see what he says here in verse 11 of chapter 11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Talking about the Jews. God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. God let the Gentiles get saved so that we could live godly lives and cause Jews to want what we have. That's what he's saying here, that he would see in us uh, the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice what he says in verse 12. Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. Now, what's he saying? He's saying, look, in my plan, I had a Jewish Messiah. Uh, the Jews rejected him, but that gave me the platform to go to the Gentiles, and Paul became the apostle to the Gentiles. And you and I are reading from a Jew who wrote to us, the book of Romans, and, and we are listening to it today, and we're being blessed by the mysterious plan of God. But God says, listen, that came about in a strange way when the Jews turned from the gospel, and uh, we Gentiles are blessed. But now notice what he's saying. I want you to listen to his inference here. What God is saying is this, if I have prophesied that the Gentiles would be saved and they have been saved, how much more then will I keep my word to Israel and bring them back to me? And we'll end today's portion of the message with that hopeful word. Tomorrow, part two of this lesson. But if you have questions about who Jesus is right now, what he means to you, how to begin a relationship with God through Christ, go to our website and click on the Find God's Love link at the top. There you'll find resources and materials that will answer questions you may have about your faith. So go to lwf.org radio and click the tab that says, Find God's Love. If you'd like to order a copy of today's message in its entirety, call us at one love god Mention the title, Is God Through with the Jews? This message is also part of the insightful series, Foundations for Our Faith, where the complete three-volume collection, all 27 powerful messages, call 877-LOVE-GOD, or order online at lwf.org radio. Or you can write us at Love Worth Finding, Box 38600, Memphis, Tennessee, 38183. You can also purchase our new Bible studies, much like this message, in our online store. For more, go to the website, lwf.org radio. Well, thanks for studying in God's Word with us today. If you'd like to start receiving daily devotions and encouraging links to our program, sign up for our daily Heartbeat emails. 
Do that at the website, lwf.org slash radio. And join us tomorrow for the insightful conclusion of Is God Through with the Jews? Right here on Love Worth Finding. It was so encouraging to read this comment on Facebook recently. I listen to Love Worth Finding two or three times a day. What power and authority Pastor Rogers had when he preached God's Word. I can't wait to meet him one day and tell him what he meant to me in one of the saddest times of my life. Maybe that's what you're going through right now, a really difficult struggle. Love Worth Finding's mission is to draw people to Jesus and help believers grow deeper in their faith. And to thank you for your gift right now, we'd love to send you our new More Than Conquerors Bible study. In the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul explains how to walk through uncertain times by laying a solid faith foundation. In this study, Adrian Rogers examines the core practices of the Christian life and shares how to live as victors in Jesus. Request this resource when you call with a gift at 1-877-LOVE-GOD. And thanks for your generous support of love worth finding.